Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Thomas Jefferson once said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that perspective uh, deals with godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue all in a politically free zone. That's right, folks. We thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at ChristianQuestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what is our topic for today? Well, Rick, our question is, do we really have freedom of choice? Our theme text is found in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Okay, so the question again, do we really have freedom of choice? Now look, everybody loves the idea of being free, and in America, we especially are reminded of the privilege of liberty at this time of year. Unfortunately, I think many of us do not really understand what freedom and liberty are, and even more so, what they are not. In reality, true liberty, by very definition, has limitations, several limitations. Liberty is not license. Because we live in a time where possibilities seem limitless, we really don't like that kind of talk. What do you mean, limitations? Well, Who are you to tell me that there's a limit on my freedom? Well, it turns out, folks, that that's the exact same struggle with defining liberty and license that happened way back in biblical times. So, what is liberty? What is license? Am I really supposed to not only know the difference, but am I really supposed to live the difference? And folks, as we get started today, coming up in today's podcast, we're going to focus on uncovering what a beautiful thing true liberty is. We're going to confront what it means and what it does not mean. And the answer to this question is far more surprising than you might think. Also, we will describe those whose actions are contrary to Christian liberty, even though you might think that they are surefire supporters of that liberty. We're further going to look closely into what, in our own thinking, can undermine our personal liberty. In other words, we're going to uncover how we can be our own worst enemies. And you don't want to miss that. To begin with, though, we need to define liberty and license. Now, most of us never think of license in the way that has been used in the Bible and throughout history. So let's get started. And Jonathan, when you think about license, you know, a lot of times we think about driving, you do, exactly. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't drive without my license. What do you mean, liberty and license? I've got a license. What's the problem? <laughs> so, so let's start, let's start defining these words. Just take a couple minutes on that. Let's start with liberty and specifically focus on, there's several definitions. We're looking at Merriam-Webster's online dictionary. And, and read through the first three definitions, one, you know, A, B, and C. We want to really focus on definition D, though. The power to do as one pleases, freedom from physical restraint, freedom from 
arbitrary or despotic control. And now definition D, I mean, and those are things that we, we all realize. Okay, it's a quality or state of being free. I can do what I would like to do. Those are how we define liberty normally. D says what? The positive enjoyment of various social, political, or economic rights and privileges. Economic rights and privileges. So when there are rights and privileges, that means there are wrongs and no-nos, okay? Correct. To, to counteract those rights and privileges. There's more definitions. We don't want to get into all of that now. But that's, that's liberty, you know? And, and right now is where, you know, this is the 4th of July week here, and we think about liberty as we think about uh, what we've been given and the, and the real true privilege that we have in this country to be able to speak our minds you know, in, in, in relative peace and safety. So we're, we're grateful for that. So that's what liberty is, all right? A positive enjoyment of various social, political, or economic rights and privileges. What about license? Now, the first two definitions, Jonathan, here, are what everybody thinks of when we use the word. Permission to act, freedom of action. Okay, if you have a driver's license, you have permission to drive. It's the freedom to be able to do things. But uh, let, let's go a little further now. A permission granted by competent authority to engage in a business or occupation or in an activity otherwise unlawful, a hunting license. Okay, again, licenses, a document, a plate, tag, you know, license, all that. That's all good. Now the definition, here's the one we need to pay attention to. It's interesting, it's the third definition down. It's not part of the first one, it's the third definition down, and this is why we don't think of it so often. Freedom that allows or is used for irresponsibility freedom of the press should not be turned into license. Disregard for standards of personal conduct. Licentiousness. Okay. Freedom that allows or is used with irresponsibility. That's license. That's one of the actual definitions of the word license. And it uses the word licentiousness, which we're going to get to in a moment. So then... License, then, for the sake of our conversation, is using freedom or liberty irresponsibly, okay? That's the difference. It's the use of freedom or li liberty without being responsible. And there, that's a huge thing, and we need to really un unfold that as we go. Um, and it talked about licentiousness. So, okay, I mean, we're talking about words that we don't use. What is licentiousness? I mean, who... Whoever says to you, Jonathan, I saw this person, and they were acting in a very licentious way. No one has, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> ever. But uh, here's what it means, Rick. Lacking legal or moral restraints, especially disregarding sexual restraints, restraints licentious behavior, licentious revelers, remarked by disregard for strict rules of correctness. Okay. Lacking legal or moral restraint. So there's some kind of restraint that's supposed to be in place that is not. That's what license is. And so when we say we want to compare liberty and license, that's really the core of what we're talking about. Freedom to act within and freedom to act because I want to. There's a huge, huge difference between the two. Let's go to a soundbite just for a moment here. Uh, this is from Adam Bellow. And he is talking about liberty versus license. And he gives a good kind of basic discussion and understanding of, of what it actually means. A lot of people do confuse 
liberty and license. There is, I, I would say, in general, and I don't want to over um, simplify matters, but there does seem to be uh, that uh, that freedom uh, is um, constituted by uh, the maximization of personal liberty, and that is the freedom to do whatever you want, whatever you know, whatever feels good. Um, as somebody who comes out of the '60s myself, uh, I actually am, will have a lot of sympathy with this. You know, love the one you're with. So he's really talking about you know the, the, the license aspect of things, and you know, coming out of the '60s. Now, I was a little too young for that, uh, fortunately. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, you know, the idea is just the freedom to do whatever you want, wh- whatever you think is right. And boy, Jonathan, that sounds just like society today, doesn't it? That's right. Whatever feels good. Right. Whatever is right for me, you have no right or ability to impose your thinking on what I think is right for me. That is a discussion not of liberty, but it is a discussion of license if you live in a society where there are there are laws and rules and and guidelines and so forth. So why is all this important, liberty and license? Because the Bible focused on licentiousness, remember that word that you were talking about, and way back in Bible times, licentiousness was a major pitfall. And and this was surprising to me, Jonathan, because when I started looking at liberty and license, I never connected that it was a scriptural concept as well. And, and I started thinking, okay, how am I going to connect this to scriptures? And then I read something that's like, oh, that's really easy. <laughs> and, so, and as you will see as we look at this first scripture, this is a human problem that has existed as long as sin has been in the world. Jude chapter 1, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, verses 1 through 4. Now, Jude is writing, and he has a specific uh, objective in mind when he starts writing to his Christian brethren. So let's hear what that objective is. Jude chapter 1, verses, let's do 1 through 3 to begin with. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you, about our common salvation. Okay, now our common salvation, essentially our common liberty, and that's what we look at salvation. That's common liberty. Go ahead. I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. So let, let's pause there for a minute because he said, I wanted to just talk to you about our common salvation and the beauty of the common salvation and how privileged we are. But he said, you know, there's something that I felt like was more important at this point. So, so Jonathan, what is he saying that's more important? Well, he's saying that there's a foundation that you need to build on, and that's Christ. Right, and he's saying, contend earnestly for the faith, okay, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, we're doing that. Everybody's doing that. But see, we got to finish the sentence Which was once for all. Handed down to the saints. So what he's saying is, the gospel, in its complete form, was handed out to us at the beginning. We need to make sure that we are contending, striving for that gospel and not something else. Now, why does he say that? Well, verse 4 tells us, 
why he says that. And this is where licentiousness or license comes into play. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So he says, you know, I wanted to just encourage you. But then I looked around and I saw that there's something wrong. And the way he describes it is pretty insidious. He said, I noticed that there are certain persons that have crept in to our fellowship unnoticed. Now, he says they were long before marked out for this condemnation. In other words, it was prophesied that this was going to happen. And he says that these folks have crept into our fellowship, and he calls them ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into, what's the word? Licentiousness. Into license into something that is more than liberty. It is now about what I want to do, not just what I have a right to do by the constraints in front of me. So he's saying they've taken our liberty, which is beautiful, that I wanted to talk to you about, and they've turned it into license. And he says the result of that is essentially denying our Master and Lord Jesus Christ because it's taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying, that gospel, we're adding to it. There, it. You know, there's more to it than was already written. And we have to build these other things into it. That's pretty serious stuff. That is, Rick. So that's where licentiousness, license comes in and attacks Christian liberty right at the very, very beginning. So now, let's. he, he uses the word licentiousness. What does that word in, in, in the ancient Greek actually mean? But apparently meaning continent. Okay, so this is a negative participle of something meaning continent. Okay, continent. Like, you know, there's, what, how many, seven continents in the, in the world? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, you can't control yourself. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and, right. When, when, when you look at the negative side of continent, you think of incontinent. And when you, you think of it. incontinent, everybody knows what you're talking about. Someone who's incontinent can't control their bladder, okay? They right. don't have the ability to restrain themselves. You know, with a little kid, you know, when you're driving in the car, I bet this happened to you with your son at some point when he was, was a kid and you're driving on a long trip and he's got to go to the bathroom and, and he's saying, I got to go, I got to. And you're saying, hold it, hold it. <laughs> you're saying, be <laughs> <Yeah>. continent. <laughs> you know, so that's what this is about. It's about the ability to restrain ourselves. So that's important. Because liberty is in the context of self-restraint. License is not in that context. That's the difference. It's incontinent. It's unable to restrain yourself. I think that's a cool way to describe it. It's what the way the scriptures describe it. That is right. So we're going to have several liberty, not license lessons as we go through our podcast today. What's our first one? Liberty in Christ is full of life-changing power. And yet it is easily vulnerable to the misuse and corruption of license. Okay. Liberty in Christ is a powerful, powerful tool for us. But it's easily vulnerable and easily hijacked by the misuse and corruption of license. 
of not having that restraint and taking things too far and creating something different. So we have to be really, really careful about those kinds of things. So summing up simply, liberty is freedom to and license is freedom from. How does the New Testament define Christian freedom and liberty? Are they the same or different? We've been studying scripture and discussing how biblical history collides with world history in today's culture for 20 years on radio and in podcast channels. If you're curious about how the Bible or Christianity applies to what you have faced and are facing right now in your life, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Listen live or on your own time, then reach out to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation. Now that we've been given a sense of what the biblical view of license looks like, we can and should focus on liberty in its purest form. Once we've defined liberty's shades of meaning, we can look at how it's used appropriately and so often how it is misrepresented and misused. And see, that's the thing about liberty, Jonathan. It's a beautiful thing. No matter how you cut it, it's a beautiful thing. And as with most beautiful things, it can easily, easily be misused and misconstrued and used as a weapon rather than a tool and so forth and so on. And we we, we just don't want to go there with our Christianity. That's right. Or we're displeasing our Heavenly Father. We want to be on the right um, and pleasing. Right. And, And the only way to do that is to abide by the guidelines of liberty and not fall into license. So, you know, in, in a first soundbite from Adam Bellow, he was describing license a little bit, uh, and now he's going to go into a little bit, very quick discussion on what liberty or freedom is. But I, I also think that uh, there's another point of view that has, to, that, that has to be taken into account, which is that, uh, which is that, um, uh, in, that we cannot be free um, unless we have mastered our own nature in some sense that we have to and this this is a a view that goes back to the classical philosophers the the the, the uh, original um, thinkers about virtue and society uh, and the idea was that uh, freedom has to be defined as um, uh, something that you're not born to but that you earn that you attain you know and he did make a political statement in the middle of that I edited it out because we don't want to get into politics and we don't want to say, well, you know, this side is not or is and that side is not or is. and It's not what we're here for. You can get that on talk radio and all kinds of other podcasts. Not here. Not here. Not now. So, you know, he's just giving you a sense of, you know, freedom, true freedom, true liberty. You really got to earn it. You've got to step up to it and use it with appropriateness. That was kind of the the, the the, the, the sense that he was giving us. So, Jonathan, each segment now from for, for the rest of the podcast, uh, what we want to do is we want to just take a moment because it is the week for a 4th of July and we want to acknowledge uh, the thankfulness that we have for the freedom and the liberty that we have here in this country to do what we do and to talk about the gospel and we've been able to do this for 20 years together and and to speak freely without anybody saying you can't say those things and that's pretty awesome it it is what a privilege we're so thankful like you said so we're going to take what we call an american liberty moment and we're going to quote one of the founding fathers and then we're going to break up uh into pieces a, the audio from uh, our friends, the Skit Guys. And if you've never seen these guys, these guys are just 
awesome. They ch- check them out online, uh, theskitguys.com. They, uh, they, they put all of these little videos together. They're funny, but they make Christian principle-based points. And so we're going to quote Patrick Henry to get started and then go into the introduction for their, their skit called A Fourth of July Prayer. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. God, on the day we celebrate our nation's birth, we place our faith in you. You are the one who gives us freedom. You have endowed us with inalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And may we pursue you with the passion that you first pursued us. That's a great start. May we pursue you with the passion that you first pursued us. It's a prayer. It's a humble prayer for God's blessing uh, on the incredible freedoms that we have been given here. So as we talk about freedom, Jonathan, uh, let's go into Scripture again, and let's look at the New Testament words for freedom. We, we talked a little bit about licentiousness or license. Now let's go to the other side of the equation, the good side of the equation, the side of the equation we want to live on, okay? We want to ex- understand the other one exists, but we want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Keep it away from me, okay? <laughs> so there's essentially, there are three words in the New Testament. They're all very, very, very similar for freedom. Just tell us, you know, basically what, what each one means. First word, unrestrained, not a slave. The second word, to liberate, to exempt. The third word, freedom. Okay, so there's a shade of difference in the meaning. So let's do an example of each one of these words, because the first word carries a very physical or civil sense of being free, not a slave, not being held under, literally. And and it is used in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 is a good example of that. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, whether we be bond or free. That was literal. Because in those times, there were lots of people who were slaves. And especially under Roman rule, that slavery wasn't very nice or kind or good. There, there was no, no leadway in that slavery whatsoever. And so bond or free, you know, the, so the freedom is it, those who are, are, are unrestrained, not in that slavery kind of position. It gives you that physical, civil sense of being able to be a citizen and stand and say, you know, what you'd like to say. The second word, which you said meant to liberate or to exempt, carries a very full sense of being made free. Not just not being a slave, but instead being actually liberated. Say, uh, Romans 8.2 is a good example of that one. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. That's liberty. See, wherever the law of the spirit of life in Christ is, is liberty, which can incidentally be corrupted by license. And I hate to say that because it's such a nice thing to say about liberty, but it's true. So that 
sense of being made free. It's not that you're just not a physical slave anymore. You are free on a spiritual level as well. And that is a real, real blessing to be able to have. But just like any other blessing that God gives us, we can abuse it and we can use it for things that it doesn't, where it doesn't belong. So we've got to be really careful of that. The third word, which means freedom, carries the personal application of being liberated, the ability to make personal decisions. It's kind of like the result of having been liberated. Now you are able to think on your own and to act on your own within the context of your liberty, and that's Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So that's an interesting warning, and we're going to come back to that Galatians 5 scripture later on in, in, the, in the podcast. But, you know, when it says stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free, the implication is if you don't actively hold on to it, then it can go away. You'll lose it. Yeah, yeah. So... The liberty that we have is something that needs protection, just like in the United States. You know, the liberty that we have needs protection. We need those who do what they do to protect our freedom. We in Christ also need to protect the freedom given to us in Christ. So, so when we look at these things, Jonathan, what are the differences? You know, where, where is the focus uh, in, in the scriptures on these, th- these three words? Well, Jesus... Um and the apostles' focus were they were not nearly as concerned with physical freedom and uh, equity of society. They understood servitude and slavery uh, to be a temporary condition. Uh, it's contrasted with a deeper personal freedom to be gained in Christ's spirituality. So really what we're saying is that they were really focused on the second and third words. The first word about civil freedom, that's not something that Jesus and the apostles focused on. No, it's not. And it's interesting. You say, well, well, why wouldn't they? Because civil freedom, wouldn't that have been the beginning of all of the other spiritual freedom? And the answer is no. Why? Because Jesus knew that now was not the time to free everybody from everything. He was here to show us that a time was going to come later on when that would happen. So the civil difficulties of slavery, that's why he didn't speak out and say, you should free all of your slaves right here and right now, because it wasn't the mission for that time. And I think that's interesting. The civil challenges, he left alone. But the spiritual challenges, he said, doesn't ma- it doesn't matter if you're a slave. It doesn't matter if you're a free person. Here's freedom in Christ. That's what the apostles taught us. That's what Jesus taught us. So their primary concern was grasping spiritual freedom with responsibility. And remember that scripture that we talked about in, in the last segment about the faith once delivered to the saints. Yes. The faith once for all delivered to, to the saints. That's the freedom. That's the liberty that we want to be focused on. So, so it's very different than liberty that we look at in, in, in America, you know, around the 4th of July. So Jonathan, let me ask you, our liberty here in America is based on that first word, that civil freedom that we talked about. How should we, as Christians, approach that kind of freedom? What should our attitude be? Well, Rick, my first thought is that our attitude should be one of thankfulness. Thankful we've been blessed to live in America. You know, when you look around the world, life can be daunting, even fearful. 
But with that being said, we as Christians are ambassadors for Christ. Our true home is in heaven. Let's be respectful of the laws of the land, content with the Lord's providence in selecting our leaders for good or bad. So in God's kingdom, we will have learned all of our lessons personally and collectively through the experience of sin, evil, and death. Then we can be able and ready to help Jesus heal the nations. So in a sense, you're kind of taking a a hands-off sort of attitude, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And, and see, I think that's what the scriptures are telling us. They're telling us that the fray in which you may live is going to happen. Your job, your liberty, your freedom is above that. It's freedom in Christ in relation to the gospel. And I think that's powerful if we can get our head around what that really means. So, so thanks. There's a lot of very good practical ideas there. So... Let's get back to license, because we've spent some time now looking at liberty and and what it means and the the shades of meaning and so forth. License is the misuse of freedom. It's freedom with irresponsibility. And that was exposed by Jesus on the part of the Pharisees. And this is interesting, because when we think about the Pharisees, we don't think of of them as having liberty, because they were bound by the law. Right, exactly. But they had liberty to abide by the law. They were God's chosen and therefore privileged to to live according to the law that he set. That was a liberty that others didn't have. So they had that. True Christian freedom can only come when we actually abide in the words of Jesus. And for those under the law, it would have come to them if they abided by the law, their, their, their type of liberty. So here's Jesus talking with the Pharisees in John 8, 31 to 38. Let's just do verses 31 to 33 to start. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So now now those are our, our, our theme scriptures. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. He's talking to a very Jewish audience. And he says to them, if you listen to me, you become my disciples. This is Jesus speaking. Then the truth is going to set you free. And, and, and the, 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 the Pharisees are, are responding, well, wait, 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 wait. Time out. We're Abraham's descendants. Who are you to say you're going to make us free? We've never been enslaved to anyone. Now, they were under Roman rule at this point. <laughs> yeah, really. They weren't really enslaved, but it wasn't a good situation. They had very limited freedoms. But their point is, we're Abraham's children. We already have freedom that nobody else in the world has. Now, there is merit to the point that they were driving at. But what does Jesus say to them as a result? 34 to 38. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. Now, we could spend an hour on just what Jesus said here. This is really powerful in terms of freedom and liberty. And he starts by saying, look, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. 
And when we talk about liberty in Christ, one of the things we have to remember is if we're still, still sinful, we have to fight for that liberty in Christ by fighting against sin. That's right. He says, the slave doesn't remain in the house forever, the son remains forever, and he says, I am the son of God. And if I say that you can be free, trust me, you will be free indeed. He says, I know where you come from. I know you're Abraham's descendants. And yet, I also know that you're trying to kill me. Now, you think about that, and they use the idea of being Abraham's descendants as their, 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 their pass, if you will. Well, we're Abraham's descendants. We're free. And he's saying, yeah, but you're a slave to sin because what you're trying to do with your descendancy is take my life. I know your heart. I can see it. I can read it. Jesus could do that. We can't. And so he's being very, very clear with them. And so he's telling them, you have taken the name of Abraham and the law of God, and you have not applied liberty to live within their confines, but you've applied licentiousness, license, and now you're taking it to mean whatever you want it to mean that's convenient for you. So he's exposing licentiousness in their thoughts and in their actions. Even the Jews under the law had the ability to be free to a, to a degree under the law or to take it too far, and they took it way too far. So what's our liberty, not license lesson here? Membership as a chosen one of God actually means mindfulness in action according to what the membership requires and not what we desire. All else is license. So it doesn't matter what stage of God's plan you live under. You know, if you lived in the days of Noah, there was a sense of right and wrong. Most people didn't get it. Noah did. If you lived as Abraham, he was following the words of God. He was following something higher. If you lived under the law, you had it written down for you, and God's will was shown to you. Wherever you are, you have to obey, abide by what God says to have liberty. And Rick, that's the same thing going back to Jude. Yeah. Individuals were using the name of Christ as a cover for their own personal agenda. And when Jude describes it, it is not a pretty picture at all. But you're right. They used the name of Christ, and it was a great cover. But And their agenda was dark and evil. It may not have looked dark and evil. It may not have even felt dark and evil. And you think, well, how can that be? Well, look, Satan you know, poses as an angel of light. So we know that those things can happen and do happen in the world in which we live. So you're right. We have to have liberty, our freedom in the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. It was already delivered. It was already completed. We can't be saying, well, you know, we, should, we can add this and this and this and this and this to the faith because no, 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 that's not what they were saying. We have to abide by that original gospel because that is only that is the good news. So liberty, according to the Bible, is something very special, very sacred, and very serious. What are some of the major pitfalls for Christians as we personally try to live our Christian liberty? 
We're constantly looking to our listeners for your feedback on our weekly episode discussions. Let us know if you'd like to hear more topics like this one or new topical suggestions. Keep your comments coming at ChristianQuestions.com and our Facebook page. We're also talking about topics in Reddit, and you should check us out helping answer questions on Quora. That's Q-U-O-R-A.com. We're engaging in combo everywhere. Thanks for listening, and get ready for us to take a deeper dive right now. While there's always happiness and smiles enough to go around as we enjoy our Christian liberty, we always need to be aware as well. The fact is, our Christian liberty needs antivirus protection, as it can easily and often be subject, subject to attacks on its integrity. Now, once liberty's integrity is compromised, license tends to take over. Rick, I have a question for yes, you real yeah, quick. To, to really understand license. Yes. Um, is license our flesh versus liberty our spirit? Um, I, I just want to wrap my head around it. You know, and I think that's, that's maybe a good way to, to describe it. License is taking what has been given to us spiritually and applying it with fleshly desires and objectives. So you get this really good, beautiful package of freedom in Christ, and you apply it to yourself. The prosperity gospel— is license because it's all about me it's not all about god it's not all about following the sacrificial footsteps of jesus it's all about me what can i have what's god going to give to me because i've been given this this beautiful saving in christ that is a beautiful thing but don't misuse it so you can get stuff that's so yeah that's a good way to do it spiritual versus fleshly good way to, good way to, to, to look at it okay Jonathan let's take our our, our uh, American Liberty moment we're now going to get a quote uh, an excerpt from a letter from John Adams to Abigail Adams uh, in April of 1777 you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom I hope you will make a good use of it as we celebrate our great nation we remember the sacrifice and turmoil that this country was born out of and that continues to shape us today we know that you are not done here we know that we are far from perfect and we know that you have a plan we pause to remember that you are our God and we are the people of your pasture you know, it would really be awesome if, if we, as, as a people, would try to be the people of his pasture. You know, there, there's such a sense of security in that picture of being the people of his pasture. You know, you think of David the shepherd taking care of those sheep and just being, you know, being cared for by and God. Sub, and submissive. Right. That, that quality of sheep willing to just follow the master's voice only. And see, that's a perfect picture of liberty. The sheep has great freedom, is giving great love and great care as that sheep follows the master, follows the shepherd. That's a perfect picture of, of Christian liberty the way, the way it's supposed to be. So, you know, what are some of the major pitfalls to uh, our Christian liberty? Well, there are several Christian liberty danger zones. What's the first one? Any corrupted form of the gospel. Okay. 
the gospel can be corrupted. Now, we're going to be dealing with corrupted people later. That'll be coming next segment, uh, so hang on for that. But And this scripture talks about people and gospel both in a state of corruption. Galatians chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 9. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Rick, it sounds like, let's go back to the Jude scripture. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Talking about contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. So in this Christian liberty there is a great sense of constraint. And the constraint is, make sure you look for and apply whatever you think your freedom is based on that original sense of the gospel, not based on what you'd like the gospel to be. You know, it was interesting. I was watching some... some um, uh, some some YouTube video today about someone who did a really good job. He was describing uh, what he thought were the five very worst Christian books you know ever published, you know, and a lot of okay. it w- was about um, taking taking the gospel out of its context. And I won't say the names of the books, but you know, one of the books was talking about you know pretty much anything that you want. There are prayers in the Bible that you should be able to pray that you can get those things that you want because God wants you to have that. Oh my! Yeah, and, and you know, and that's a different gospel. You look, you look at what Jesus told to his disciples, to his truest followers, to the apostles. You look at the path that they had to follow him through. You tell me where they got whatever they wanted. They didn't. It didn't happen. No. <laughs> and it wasn't going to. So th- we need to be clear on what gospel we're following. And if the gospel that, that we are paying attention to is different than the one originally delivered, folks, we had better pause and consider because we're just fooling ourselves. So, strive for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. How do you do that? Well, James one twenty one through 25 actually gives us a, kind of this cool four-step little process here. So, Jonathan, we'll, we'll, we'll start with each step. We'll just pause after each one. The first step is to receive. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness... In all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Okay, receive. Put aside all of the junk, and in humility, receive the word. Not somebody's words, the word implanted. The word can save your soul. Somebody's words ain't going to cut it. (laughs) <laughs> right, so we really we have to be really, really careful on this. So James is saying, you know, how do we get nothing but the truth? First, receive. The second little step here in James one twenty one to twenty five is to prove. Verse twenty two. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Part of Christian liberty is living what you say you believe. 
if we don't live it, Jonathan, we're not participating in the liberty. We're just saying words and having a, a good old field time, you know, kumbaya, everybody's happy, everybody's all together. Well, isn't that really hypocritical? Yeah, it is. You know, unfortunately, it is. It might feel good and, you know, you feel so much better after all of that. But unless you do something to change who you are, because I can guarantee you who you are is not who Christ wants you to be. I can guarantee you that. Okay? We all have work to do. That's right. <laughs> We've got to act on that. Be doers and not hearers because you're, you're delusional. That's what it says. You delude yourselves. So there's receive, there's prove. The third step is act, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So the acting is here is, you know, you've got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror, understand what it is that you see, and then go do something about it. And for all of us, you know, I, I'll bet you, you know, for me, for me, Jonathan, just one of the things that I've been trying to focus on is a very personal thing, uh, is I have come to realize, and you know, I, I've been around a long time, and sometimes it takes you a really long time to realize things about yourself that you really should have known, like, I don't know, 30 years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've come to realize, you know, there, there's a lot of areas in my life that I'm just plain old selfish. And I look at that, and I've been really, really trying really hard to try to have that as a back thought in my mind, is this selfish? Is this being selfish? And I, I'm embarrassed to say how often, as, as I ask myself the question, the answer is, yep, it sure is. <laughs> and you know, it's a great lesson though, because if I want to live in the liberty that Christ gave to me, the gospel says, deny yourself. Deny your selfishness. Take up your cross. Follow him. And it's a great lesson. It's humiliating. But it's a great lesson to be learning. So act, do something about it. So we've got receive, prove, act. And step number four in James 1, 21 to 25 is remind, and that's verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. See, if we continually remind ourselves that we have this freedom in Christ, you can be blessed in what you do. It's a powerful, powerful lessons. Receive, prove, act, and remind. That's part of how to get to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What's our liberty not license lesson here? Well, Rick, our liberty in Christ utterly depends on holding fast to the words of Jesus, and by extension, the writers of the New Testament. Any and all other sources that we seek to rely on must match with these. There are no exceptions for anything else leads to license. All right. This is a Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, folks. You can get it at ChristianQuestions.com. Just click on the, 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 the Seek Your Rewind button on the website, and you can get this document. You want to read this again and again to yourself because our liberty in Christ depends on the words of Jesus and the words of the writers of the New Testament. Anything else that we use has to square exactly with those things. So, Jonathan, practical ways. What are some practical ways we can reveal corrupted gospel teachings in our own lives? Well, let's start with your favorite word, context. Okay. Number one, context. Who's speaking in the verse? Who is being spoken to? Who or what is being spoken about? A simple, practical way to know the truth. 
Two, study the Bible topically. For example, if you want to study the word resurrection, you should go to your Bible court concordance, look up all the scriptures that use the word resurrection, and compare them and learn the harmony of God's plan. Third, ask, is this verse literal or symbolic? One way to know it is if the verse does not seem reasonable, it liter- uh, can't be taken literally uh, or it contradicts other direct statements. An example would be Lazarus being in Abraham's bosom. Um, see podcast 1027 uh, in detail on that one. All right. And lastly, uh, one of my favorites, if any teaching does not harmonize with the ransom for all doctrine, which was the very purpose of our Lord's sacrifice, um, the devil has sown lies. A perfect man for a perfect man was the price to purchase the human race. Christ died once for all to be testified in due time. There's scripture after scripture that describes that. 1 Peter 3.18, Romans 6.10, Hebrews 7.27, Hebrews 10.10. 10. It must square with the ransom. So those are really good practical examples of finding the, uh, the, the ability for us to be going down corrupted roads. Christian liberty doesn't belong on a corrupted road. It belongs on a pure road. How can we be sure? We always have to be working toward making sure we're following the right forms of Scripture and, and the Gospel by reading what the Scriptures say, not what we want them to say. So, you know, one of the danger zones was any corrupted form of the gospel. Another Christian danger zone, Christian liberty danger zone is what? The Old Testament law. All right. The legalistic and ritualistic ways that God saw fit to use as he identified sin. For us now, this might be ritualizing the simplicity of the true gospel. Okay. Adding things that we just don't need to add in terms of ritual so that, you know, maybe it feels more important, but that's not what the gospel really is telling us to do. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And this is, Paul is being very, very direct to his beloved Galatian Christian friends. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by hearing with faith. So they were given the Holy Spirit, and it looks like they were going back to the works of the law. They were mixing the works of the law in. And so the apostle writes to them, he says, okay, um, you know, I, you, you got God's Spirit. Now tell me again, was it because you were following the law, or was it because you, you had, it was the hearing of faith that brought you the Holy Spirit? Which, which, which was it again? Just Just remind me. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think he's being... That's he's being, right to the point. Yeah, he's being a little sarcastic and getting right to the point. And now he's kind c- of come down on him. Verses 3 to three to 5, he's really, you know, getting after them. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith. Okay, so he's saying, are you that foolish? I mean, this is the second time he uses the word foolish. You foolish Galatians. Are you this foolish? You've begun in the spirit. You began the right way. You had all the tools in place. Christian liberty was 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 functioning well. It was blessing you. It was helping you grow. And now you've brought the law back in and, and the rituals and all of those things. You know, look, the... He's, here's the problem, Jonathan. The hearing of faith is higher and more difficult to maintain because it's not as tangible as the rituals. 
See, rituals are tangible. They're easy to hold on to. So sometimes we want to go to church and have rituals because we can easily identify with them. But if the rituals are not part of the gospel itself, what are we doing with them? See, humans seek the lowest common denominator. And so we have to be careful not to add a bunch of other things that belong that, that we, we say belong to the gospel but really don't. And just an example on that, tithing. Tithing oh, yeah. is not a Christian principle. It is not a Christian principle. Let me repeat that. It is not a Christian principle. It is a Jewish principle, the idea of which giving is brought into the gospel, but it, we are never told to give a tenth as Christians. There's a ritual there that helps people feel like, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. But Christian giving is supposed to be from your heart. That's harder to manage. It's harder to get your head around. But that's Christian liberty, not license, liberty. So the solution of this difficulty with the law is Galatians 5.1. It was freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Okay. It was for freedom, for liberty, that Christ liberated us. Don't go back to what you left. So what's our liberty, not license lesson here? Appreciate the law, abide by its principles of righteousness, but do not be bound by its rituals. Do not create or follow any other rituals that cloud the gospel's simplicity. Okay, it's good to appreciate the law. It's a good to abide by its principles of righteousness. But it is wrong for a Christian to be bound by rituals, as from the law, for example. It's wrong for us. Christian liberty says we should be living beyond that. License sometimes comes and says, well, if you do this, then this, you'll be fine. And that's what a lot of the folks, the preachers of the gospel do. They say, you do this and this, and you give this and this, and you'll be fine. That's license. That's not liberty in Christ. That's different. That's license. Look. We said before that liberty was serious and sacred. We now see it is sanctified as well. Does our liberty in Christ attack or defend the idea of each of us having freedom of opinion? If we asked Rick, Jonathan, and the CQ contribution team to answer our topical questions in five minutes or less, rather than in several chapters over 90 minutes, they'd probably get a little stressed out. Plus, they love painting that bigger picture by looking at several real-world media perspectives, historical facts, and scripture. That's why some answers may come quickly. But we love taking a look at the bigger questions that aren't so easy. Because of the staggering number of Christian denominations, multiple Christian opinions therefore exist. Now, all of those opinions are obviously not all correct, so... I really need to ask myself, where do my opinions come from? God certainly does allow opinions, but he doesn't necessarily bless all of them. And boy, Jonathan, we got to get our heads around that. Christian liberty means that we have the ability to think things through, and we have the ability to draw conclusions. But that also gives us the ability to be wrong in some of those That's conclusions. That's a good point, absolutely. And so, you know, why would God give us the ability to be wrong? Because that gives you the ability to be right. Because if there's no freedom of choice, if there's no thinking and there's no reasoning, there is no right and there is no wrong. So that's a difficulty of license, 
of applying something spiritual in a physical way versus liberty, applying something spiritual in a spiritual way and living in this world but not of this world. So we're going to get into the idea of having our own freedom of opinion in just a moment, but let's take a quick moment here for our American liberty moment, a quote from Thomas Paine. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. It would be a strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Help our country turn toward you. Bring revival to this nation. Give our leaders clear vision and sober minds. Bring peace and justice to our schools and unite us all as brothers and sisters. That's a tall order for a prayer, isn't it? It certainly is. But you know what it's asking for is, and you know, there's so many in our country that would, 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 would totally rebel at this, but it's asking for Christian principles to reign. You know, and if we could get our heads around, even for those folks who are not Christian, the idea of true Christian principles, if we could just use them and see what would happen, boy, would we be surprised at how much better life would be. So, long way to go here, Jonathan. Long way to go in this old world. And we know that this world is, is, is not going to be able to, to be recovered. But, you know, we still want to appreciate the goodness and the freedoms that we have here and now. That's right. Okay, another Christian liberty danger zone. Now we're talking about, you know, having freedom of opinion for ourselves. And this Christian liberty danger zone is what? The opinions and influence of those who would subvert. Okay, so we talked about, you know, false gospels before, and now this is essentially people behind false gospels. And, you know, it's interesting how many times that comes up in the New Testament. And when you think about it, the New Testament was being written when the gospel was brand new. And if they had such trouble when it was brand new, imagine the trouble we have 2,000 years later. I mean, so we have to pay really close attention to all of this. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and, you know, Paul is giving some of his personal background uh, of, of his journey coming into the gospel and the things that he learned along the way. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of a revelation that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So one of the big issues in the early Christian church was the issue of circumcision. And it was a, it was a ritual and a rite uh, from, from the Jews from even before the law was established. I mean, back to Abraham's time. Back to, all the way back to Abraham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was a big, big deal. And when Christianity comes along and says, okay, that's no longer a part of things, there was a rebellion. And you can't blame them. It's like, what are you telling us? Thousands and thousands of years of what God told us to do, suddenly God doesn't want us to do anymore? And the answer was, yeah, that's actually true. Because well, many couldn't hear that, though, Rick. And that's the, that was the problem. And so the Christian liberty said, you don't have to be under that any longer. License said, but we've been under it so long, I think we should keep it. It seems appropriate. License was taking 
an earthly view of something and trying to apply it in this in a spiritual way. That was the, the, the problem of circumcision. Titus, he was Greek, and he did not submit to that because the apostle knew that he was not supposed to. He didn't have to. It wasn't part of being a Christian. Now, in verse 4 of Galatians 2, the apostle Paul says something really powerful here. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. Because of the false brethren kind of secretly brought in when no one's looking. They sneaked in to spy out our freedom, our liberty, and they were going to corrupt it. They were going to bring us back to something that was physical and earthly when we're supposed to be spiritual. License versus liberty. What was the Apostle Paul's response to that? Verse 5. But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. And I love that about the Apostle Paul. There was immense pressure. And he could have said, you know, in this situation, okay, well, you know, Titus, just go ahead. It'll, it'll keep him quiet. But he didn't. No, he didn't. He said, it's not what the gospel is about. So let's not go there. See, there are many warnings about such people who secretly are brought in, sneaking around to, to spy out our, our true Christian spiritual liberty. We need to be especially aware of what we are taught Second Peter chapter 2. You know, it's interesting. Uh, in Jude chapter 1, where we started, Jonathan, mm-hmm. you, you read down through Jude chapter 1, and it's pretty powerful about describing these people that come into corrupt. Second Peter chapter 2 is very much the same way. So we're just drawing an excerpt from Second Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, and up pops that word licentiousness again, but it's translated a little differently this time. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they enticed by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Okay, so what word, you know, we said licentiousness and license and all that. Where, where, where did that word appear in this, in this scripture? Well, Rick, that was sensuality sensuality. Now, it's interesting because we normally don't, when we see the word sensuality in Scripture, we think of sexuality and desire and lust and those kinds of things. Right. But that word actually is that licentiousness, that lack of restraint, which is... Lack of control. Right. Which is bigger than just sexuality. Good point. It's bigger. That's a big part of it, but that's not the whole of it. And I think... And, you know, having, having looked at that and, and begun to understand it better this time around, uh, you know, when I see the word sensuality in Scripture now, I think bigger. I think broader. I think, wow, there's more to be aware of than just, you know, the, the sexual component, if you will. There's something broader that we have to watch out for, and that is the corruption of our liberty on all kinds of earthly ways. However, we may take the gospel and, and draw it down instead of lifting it up. And it compares that sensuality, that licentiousness with the freedom, with the liberation that we've been talking about. So this this is a powerful thought to help us define our own struggles. And and just reread the last phrase of that, by what a man is overcome. Um, Yes, by this he is enslaved. Okay, by what a man is overcome, that is what enslaves him. 
So folks, what this is saying is we're all tending toward being enslaved. Not in liberty, but enslaved. Look at the things that you struggle with. Those are the things that enslave you. Now, if it's feelings of, um, of, of inadequacy that, that just plague you and, and, and to the point where you don't, don't, don't do things, you're enslaved to that. If it's, if it's pride that says, boy, I'm so much better than everybody else, you're enslaved to that. Those are things that keep us from our Christian liberty, from applying the Christian principles in our everyday Christian walk. We've got to be careful about those things because those are license in a very negative way. What's our liberty not license lesson here with this Galatians 2 scripture and, and too, Second Peter? Sorry. Sure. Too often and too easily is the gospel subverted and received. We must prove our beliefs by the whole of the scripture and not by the convenience of licentious thinking. You know, we did a, the, the, the three-part series on, on, on Hellfire and so forth, and one of the things we really tried hard to do was to take the whole of the scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the time in between, the history going on during those, those times as well as after those times, and put it all together to find what we thought was the true meaning. That's what I think this scripture means by taking the whole of scripture. You don't just look at a verse and say, well, you know, that's what Jesus said. You know, he said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. You can't take that out of its context. We have to design our belief system in liberty by the whole of what the scriptures teach. So what about my opinion? Aren't I titled to have my opinion? I mean, that, that's really where we've got to go here now. Ephesians 4.15 says what? But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Okay, so what about our opinions, Jonathan? How should we handle our opinions, especially when we disagree? Well, a good way to start is by asking yourself a question. Could I be wrong? This way, we always are willing to see other perspectives with, in, with a proper attitude. The law of liberty shows us we're all different and unique, and we, have, um, we reason differently than others. There should never be uh, bitter feelings against those who differ uh, with us, even if they malign, malign us and hate us. We need to gain victory over every fiber of our being, just like Jesus taught. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for those which despitefully use you and persecute you. All right. So how do we handle our opinions? We got we to gotta look at ourselves, you know, you know, especially when there's disagreement and say, you know, where am I? And that, that's such an important exercise. That's what Christian liberty teaches us to do, because Christian liberty is based in humility. So this next Christian liberty danger zone is our own habits and desires and their pervasive licentiousness, their per pervasive license, their pervasive lack of restraints. Our habits and desires are, are, are a picture of lack of restraint so often. Galatians 5, 13, 16 to 17, and 19 to 23, we're going to take it in pieces. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. Okay, you're called to freedom. It's a beautiful thing. You know, the apostle's saying rejoice in that. And he's saying, but don't use this freedom, this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. And he says, how do you avoid using it as an opportunity for the flesh? Serve one another. Right, stop thinking about yourself. 
serve others. That's what he's saying. Verses uh, 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So now it's lining up liberty and license. And he's saying they're opposed. Because remember when you said earlier, it's spirit versus flesh? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we got right here in these verses. Spirit versus flesh. And he says they're in opposition to one another. You can't do the things that you would like to if you're trying to pay attention to both. And that's a powerful, powerful lesson on which is more important to you. Is your Christian liberty following the will and way of Christ or your Christian license, which you really shouldn't have, which says, I got the, I've got the grace of Christ and I can really do the things that I want to do now because I'm free. That's not what Jesus said. Verses 19 through 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Okay, brace yourself for this. <laughs> immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there, there's, there, there's a lot of stuff here, immorality, impurity, sensuality, there's our word again. That's that same licentiousness, right? Right. Okay, so we've got all of these things. And, you know, here's the problem. The problem is sometimes we fall into some of these things. Sometimes we fall into strife into jealousy, into outbursts of anger, and disputes, and dissensions, and, and envying. You know, we fall into those things. And you say, okay, am I doomed? No, 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 because that's not what he says. He says, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you fall into those things, what do you need to do? Jump out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Quick, like, you know, jump. Get out of there as fast as you can, because y you need to keep yourself in liberty. License takes us down those roads. Liberty, well, actually the next two verses, verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5, are a picture of what a life of Christian liberty actually looks like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, you know, in other words, what the Spirit of God, given an opportunity to work in your life, will produce is all of these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Remember, the licentiousness is a lack of self-control. You can't restrain yourself. Well, this is the exact opposite. And, then that, and that's the last one. It's like summing up. It's being able to control yourself, and against such, can't find a law of God against any of these things anywhere, anytime. So that's a powerful, powerful lesson for us, to rise above. You know, license is comfortable because it's fleshly and it's familiar. And that's easy. Liberty is not comfortable because it's spiritual and needs to be striven for. It's a challenge. Yeah. And it's so easy to go for that which is easy. When in fact, we should be striving for that which is harder because the blessing is in that which is more difficult. What's our liberty, not license lesson here? Well, Rick, even though we are followers of Christ, we are not exempt from our sinful human thoughts and deeds. 
we must daily develop spiritual fruit to combat our own sin. Okay, daily develop spiritual fruit because we have our own sin to combat and to fight against, and we've got to be willing and able to stand up and stand for something, stand for the liberty to which we were called and not fall into the license, which is so habitual and so easy. So Christian liberty is no get-out-of-jail-free card. It's a get-to-work-on-your-focus card. Do we really have liberty in Christ? If God knows the end from the beginning, how are our decisions our own? As we try to stay on track with research, sometimes you go down unexpected roads. That's part of education, debates, and differing opinions. You just can't take everyone at their word, and oftentimes you have to consider the other side of the story. That's why we're always asking our listeners to give their opinions on the questions we're answering. Message us at ChristianQuestions.com or through the Christian Questions app. Speaking of the other side, time to go in reverse with a CQ Contradiction. All right, do we really have liberty in Christ? We do have liberty in Christ. What we need to realize is God's will gives us room to think and act on our own. Just as a good parent may know what their child will do and then lets them do it so they can learn, so God, as our Father, allows our experiences to unfold for our learning as well. So, you know, you know, how are our decisions our own? If we're supposed to be following after everything that Jesus said, you know, it's like, well, does that mean you have to be a robot in Christ? You know, because God knows the beginning from the end. Does that mean everything is already predetermined of what you're going to do and what you're going to say and what you're going to think? And God says, I knew you were going to say that. You know, is, is that the way life is? I think that we need to see it in a much bigger fashion than that. But Jonathan, before we do that, let us go to our final American liberty moment. This is a quote from Samuel Adams. If you love wealth better than liberty, the tranquility of servitude better than the antebating contest of freedom, go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or your arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your change set lightly upon you, and may posterity forget that you were our countrymen. God, we ask that your kingdom would come, and come quickly. May peace and prosperity come to your children living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Amen. You know, and, and I love that because asking for God's kingdom to come, because that's the only answer. You know, the world is so full of license that it cannot be saved from itself. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, he says, teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven, right? On earth <laughs> as it is in heaven. You know, minor detail, major consequence. If we leave the on earth out, we're missing a huge message from what God's plan really is. So, yes, God's kingdom is the answer, and it's going to change things in God's own time. So, in the meantime, you know, we, we, we need to be focusing on what is our responsibility as Christians? What's the freedom that we have? And how can we express that? And, and, you know, do we really have freedom? Or is this all just, you know, a bunch of hot air because God knows the beginning from the end? Well, look, we're all tried as a result of our faith. We can stand or we can fall. Christian liberty knows this already. 
First Corinthians 10. Uh, you know, we always quote verse 13 because it's a very powerful promise. But let's quote this time, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 to 14, because I think it helps us to put it the, the beautiful promise of verse 13 into a much bigger picture. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Okay, now the result of this liberty, because he's saying God is giving, talk about freedom, talk about being you know, freed from shackles. It says, whatever your circumstances are, God is going to be with you in them. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but that is like one of the most comforting things I could ever hear. Oh, it's wonderful, amazing. Oh, I'd be helpless without him. Well, and, and that's the point. We're helpless without our Christian liberty as liberty. And when we transform it from, form it into license, then we take our helplessness and we reapply it to ourselves and like talk about self-defeating. The result of this liberty is to flee from license. And I think verse 14, is, that is, is the message of the next verse, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So what I think we're, we need to understand here is all idolatry is human license supplanting godly liberty. Now, we're, we're looking at idolatry in a very big way. You know, we're not looking at idolatry as just, you know, having a, a, a golden calf or a statue or a symbol or something. We're talking about idolatry as anything that we place our worship in instead of God. That's idolatry. You know, when, you know, the, 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 the famous, t- I don't even know if it's still on, the, the famous TV show American Idol. Right, right. You know, the whole point of that is who's going to be the next person that everybody looks at and goes, ooh, they're good. Wow. Look at that. I want their album. You know? It's the idea we've created an idolatrous society, an idolatrous world where we make these individuals, human beings, icons that are somehow better than the rest of us. Now, look, some of these people have worked really, really, really hard to accomplish the things they've accomplished. No, we don't want to take anything away from that effort and all that. But does any human being, should any human being, be put on such a pedestal that they're just different than the rest of us? I don't think so. All idolatry is human license. It's just a convenient way to be comfortable rather than to working forward in Christian liberty. We do have a choice. You know, the beginning question is, how are our decisions our own? Well, we do, we do, we do have a choice. It comes down to acting based on liberty or acting based on license. So in this next scripture, James 4, 13 through 17, license is, is what comes first in this scripture. This is an important principle, this next scripture, to help us define where our minds are at. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Okay, so it's saying James is being very... um, He's being very tactful. Look, 
how many of us go about our daily business and say, hey, you know what? I've got a business plan. I've got a plan. I want to do this. I think I could, this is a great opportunity. And, and I think, you know, if we do this and we do it this way and this way and this timing, we can actually make a profit and, you know, come back and we'll be better off. And hey, and then we can take that money that we earned and we can, you know, we can use that money to praise the Lord and, and, and to witness the gospel. I, 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 me, me, me. Oh, is that what you got from what I just said? I did. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's an important point. Because we may have wonderful ideas. So what are we supposed to do with those wonderful ideas? Well, license says, I'm going to do this in my way, in my time. I think it's a great idea. I'm just going to move forward and move on it. This doesn't sound terrible to most of us. We listen to it. Yeah, hey, great idea. Go ahead. Capitalize. But here's what James says we ought to do instead. This is verses 15 through 17 of James 4. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So, Jonathan, what's the difference between the first approach of, here's what I want to do, i got this business plan, you know, to do this, make the profit, versus what he says in verses 15 to 17? What's, what's, the, what's the core difference here? Well, Liberty says, all that I am, all that I do, and all that I am blessed with is from God. So the decision-making, while it may not be a bad thing, we need to wait on God's providence. You know, and this is such an important principle, and, and, and let, let's just take a moment here and uh, sort of look back on, on some of our own experiences because, you know, 20 years ago, you know, the idea for doing Christian questions wasn't my idea, folks. I've said that a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand and one times. When the idea was first presented to me, I laughed at it. I said, yeah, who's going to be able to do that? So <laughs> I get no credit for anything. <laughs> Absolutely not. But, you know, at the beginning, the idea existed, but it didn't go anywhere, did it? No, it didn't. <laughs> until, until a little door cracked open. And you saw that opportunity and said something. Yeah, and I was oblivious all the way through that experience until, wait a minute, if I ask this question, this door might open. And the Lord kind of forced me back in the chair, and I asked the question to a, a manager of a radio station. And, and he said, sure. And, you know, and that was not the answer you expected. Not at all. <laughs> but see, But here's what it was. It was an asking of a question and being given a very definite direction, not that you designed. Exactly. And so that's how this whole thing got started. And the other interesting thing beyond that is each time that, that, that we were blessed with expansion to go into these stations or those stations or this opportunity or that opportunity, was it ever your idea? No. Was it ever my idea? No. It always... It, it was amazing. It, if we ever had an idea, it never... Right, <laughs> right, right. But those the, the, the things that, that, that we were blessed to be able to do never came from you or I, it's ever. True. And yeah. so what we were able to do by God's grace is once you walk through that door and begin to rely on if the Lord wills, he would open the next door. And he, then he closed some doors. Yes. And then he opened some other ones. And once you learn to just bask in the wonderment of Christian liberty, of following God's providence versus trying to force God's providence, 
whole different story. So, you know, for, for us, I mean, you and I, and, you know, we've been doing this just a little bit over 20 years now. That's a lesson that we talk about frequently. It really is. Is, and, you know. And we know it's his direction. Right. And we're just doing the best we can as we, we move in his way. Right. And that, look, it doesn't mean that, that we don't fall down and we don't have failures. Yep. Uh, it doesn't mean that we, we, we can stop trying you know, because the whole thing is, it's always about, you know, trying to get better and, and, and get up to whatever the next level is that's being presented before us. But it's a huge lesson in Christian liberty and not taking it into our own hands. And, and so for me, that's one of the things I think about frequently that, that encourages me. Because remember getting back to my other, the other side of the story where I was telling you about how selfish I figured out that I am? <laughs> you know, you need something to sort of cheer you up when you, when you see all that. And, and, and the lesson is, look, even if we have areas that we're weak, God can still bless us if we keep trying. Just keep trying. Stay in that liberty. What's our liberty not license lesson here? Liberty is freedom to be in his service. Freedom to be directed by his will and freedom to follow Jesus' path of sacrifice. Liberty is freedom to choose beyond license. Freedom to be in service. Freedom to be directed. Freedom to follow Jesus. Freedom to be on a path of sacrifice. That, so it's freedom to, be, to do what you're supposed to do. But with God's blessing, doing what you're supposed to do, even if it's difficult, even if there's failure, there's still the underlying blessing of where he brings us. That's Christian liberty. Finally, our ability to choose liberty in Christ, it pays incredible dividends. And I'm not talking financial, folks. No, 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 no. Christian liberty has nothing to do with dollars and cents. It has to do with dividends that can be cashed in in a spiritual maturity, in growing up in Christ, in being able to share something that you've been able to learn with others to help them become more mature in Christ. Romans 8, verses 18 uh, to 23, we'll take that in pieces as well. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So, sufferings of this present time. As Christians, we all have trials and difficulties, or we should. Life isn't supposed to be easy for a Christian. And to the point where the apostle says, look, the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory. If you're looking for the glory now, you're not in the right Christianity. It's not about glory now. It's about following in Jesus' sacrificial footsteps now. And he says, the world, the anxious longing of the creation waits for the sons of God, the true followers of Christ, to be revealed. So the apostle now shows that the world is stuck. Where are they stuck? In licentiousness. They're stuck in that license, in that, in that lack of self-restraint. The, uh, verses 20, and, uh, well, 20 through 23. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. All right, there's a, there's a lot in this verse. First of all, the creation was subjected to futility. 
If that's not a great way to describe license, I don't know what is. It's futility. And he's, he's saying the creation was subjected to futility because God allowed that to happen so that hope could be created for something bigger and better, in that the creation, the rest of the world, will be set free, the same freedom that we in Christ have, will be set free from its slavery to corruption, to the freedom that was already given to the children of God. So, you know, it's interesting, because in this verse, for, the, for those folks who say that, you know, the, the rest of the world is doomed and doomed and more doomed, this verse says that the world is going to have an opportunity for the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And then it says, we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so it's a beautiful lesson in, in if we abide in the liberty of Jesus and have the liberty to be in his service, to be directed, to follow his, his footsteps, to, to, to live a life of sacrifice, then we can be a part of the liberation and the freedom of the rest of the world from the license that screws them up so badly. So what's our final liberty, not license lesson for today? Well, Rick, liberty in Christ is ours for the taking and applying it now, and will also release the world from sin soon. Thy kingdom come on earth. And I think really that begins to sum up the whole lesson here. Liberty in Christ is ours for the taking. And you know, if you want it, if you want something, like you come to Christ and you say, okay, what do I get? You get liberty in Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means you get the opportunity to be humble, to serve, to give up your own will, to do the will of God through Christ, to follow Jesus' footsteps, to, to, to live a life of sacrifice. Why would I want to do that? Because then you have the opportunity to be a part of blessing the whole world for eternity as they go through a day of judgment and accountability and prove themselves so they can be given life as we have been given life. Liberty is worth every ounce of energy we put into it. License, forget about it. Get away from it. It's worthless. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today as we looked at liberty and license in the context of American freedom and trying to realize how important it is to really appreciate the goodness that we have been given in Christ Jesus. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, make sure it's Christian liberty, not license. Think about it. Folks, look, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Let us know what you thought about today's topic. We want your feedback uh, on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, we will be talking about what does it mean to glorify God? Think about that one. Talk to you next week.